But the rain that lingered over northern Taiwan tapered off on Sunday. For National Day on Monday, the northeast monsoon is expected to usher in dry and cool weather. How cool will it get? Let's hear from the Central Weather Bureau. The period from Monday evening to early Tuesday morning is the time when the next wave of the northeast monsoon will be at its strongest. By then, the low temperatures in the central, northern and northeastern regions may drop to as low as 20 degrees. Other places will see lows of 21 or 22 degrees. Compared with the past few days, the weather will be significantly cooler. Beaches on Taiwan's east coast have become travel hotspots for domestic tourists, and beachgoers have turned to all-terrain vehicles, or ATVs, to add to the excitement. But environmentalists are expressing concern that ATVs are damaging the ecosystem and driving out wildlife. So far, fines have had little impact in places where they're used. One expert says authorities must find a way to manage the activity and protect nature. Join us as we hear from people on both sides on what to do to solve the problem. Lambo Beach in Hualien Xincheng Township has become a hot spot for domestic tourists. In recent years, the beach has been taken over by shops renting out all-terrain vehicles. In the tiny village of Shen'an, which encompasses Mambo Beach, there are now 13 ATV rental shops, which together operate several hundred ATVs. Visitors renting their small recreational vehicles race across the beach and along nearby streams. A large number of ATVs can be seen whipping around the area, taking turns at high speed, and so on. They've created this racetrack-type atmosphere to make it more exciting. Led by rental shop owners, one ATV after another flies by amid screams of excitement, kicking dust and sand up into the air. This once green and yellow patch of coastal she-oak trees is now a swathe of white. Distraught by the scene, an environmentalist grabs hold of a tree branch and shakes off the dust. These coastal trees have an important function as a windbreak, which protects the soil and prevents environmental degradation. Now, this forest area has become a racetrack for tourists. Through aerial footage, the destruction of the coastal trees is apparent. In recent months, the situation has only worsened as busloads of tourists funnel into the area to experience the thrill of racing on ATVs. ATVs are able to traverse all manner of terrain. In the past, they were used by Taiwanese farmers in farmlands. Now, they are used for recreational purposes. There are many things living on the beach. This type of activity not only destroys this life or interferes with its daily activities, the more serious impact is the destruction of the overall ecosystem there. You've got dozens or even hundreds of these ATVs driving around, and they engage in this activity on a daily basis. When they drive over the beach and the surrounding area, even if they don't destroy living creatures, they will at least cause them to leave the area. The Society of Wilderness says that Manbo Beach was once home to class 2 protected species of birds. 
The frequent activity of ATVs has driven them out and seriously interfered with the lives of other small creatures. A lot of living things go unseen to the casual observer. For example, there are land crabs, and over here there are hermit crabs. There are also ring-necked plovers and little terns. And of course, there are other living things. They can't live in these types of conditions, and nobody speaks on their behalf. The ATVs also drive through Sanjan River, and this has the Society of Wilderness worried. The ATVs present a threat to the ecosystem there too, and the river is legally off-limits to vehicles. This is a waterway, and under the Water Act, vehicles are prohibited from traversing it. We have looked into the issue of fines, which we brought up with the Hualien County Economic Affairs Department. We asked about it in our meeting with them, and pointed out that driving vehicles through a waterway is illegal, but they were indecisive and wouldn't offer any suggestions about how they deal with it. There is a law, but nobody wants to enforce it. The beach and coastal forest are public resources, so can businesses operate there and earn money? The Hualien County government has insisted that since the beach is public, businesses can also use the space. However, the problem is that these businesses are excludable in nature. Their activities also kick up dust and make a lot of noise, as well as create danger, which naturally drives others away. Currently, there are ATV rental operators in Hualien, Pingdong, Yilan and New Taipei City. However, the central government has no laws in place regarding ATV use, which makes it difficult for local governments to manage the issue. Currently, we have the Act for the Development of Tourism and the Regulations of Governing Water Recreation Activities. However, neither of these includes provisions on the use of ATVs. Local governments also have no legal basis to say, for example, where ATV use is prohibited or when to issue fines or to protect the interests of local residents by delineating when tourists can engage in such activities. There are no such options. Currently, the Hualien County government requires ATV operators to have company or business registration and insurance for the use of ATVs by tourists. However, there are no penalties or regulations to protect against the ecological impact of ATV use. I don't think this is an unmanageable problem. It just comes down to whether you want to do something about it. Although you can impose fines for the issues of concern, land management authorities have their own laws. For example, there's the Forestry Bureau. If the land under their management is getting completely messed up, they would have laws related to the protection of forests. They could invoke the Forestry Act to impose penalties. In the face of various concerns, operators said they were prepared to comply with county government rules, but they hoped a way could be found for them to continue earning money. As I'm sure you're aware, work opportunities in Hualien are fairly limited. We were fortunate to hit upon something popular. For the local economy, tourism, local residents and instructors, it's been quite helpful, financially speaking. We aren't trying to have ATVs banned. We're just thinking about how to manage them. 
Otherwise, there will be losses on many fronts, including ecological damage and dangers to tourists. The industry will also be stigmatized. One academic feels that as new types of recreational activities emerge, the government should hire experts to assess the environmental impact of those activities. They suggest that the government delineate less environmentally sensitive areas for outdoor activities and limit the amount of such activity, rather than letting business operators act without restraint. After we make an assessment, we can specify what is a suitable amount of ATV activity for the area. Even if the activity is permitted, we want to have a set of specifications to regulate it. Only by managing it in this way can we use resources in a friendly manner, in a sustainable manner. Hualien's problems with ATVs have just begun, but in southern Taiwan's Kanding National Park, ATVs have been a threat for more than 30 years already. Kanding is home to an abundance of species, which the park sought to protect early on with strict regulations. ATV use is not permitted in the park. But rental operators have ignored the rules for years now and continue to operate despite repeated fines. Seeing water on the ground, park officials determined there are ATVs in the vicinity. The park official stops a group of more than half a dozen ATV riders, and police arrive to issue fines to the rental operator in the amount of 3,000 NT per ATV. ATV rental businesses have been operating illegally in the national park for years now, which has caused serious erosion of the soil. For example, Longpan Park, which is within Kanding National Park, has a world-class coastal scenery, but it's been scarred in several areas by ATV tracks, which turn into barren troughs. It's difficult for areas of erosion to recover, and when there is heavy rain, these eroded areas become sources of silt that contribute to coral bleaching. The main cause for concern is that when ATVs operate in the area for a long time, the tires cause the grassland to become barren. When there is rainfall, the surface soil in these areas of erosion gets washed out to sea where it gathers on the seabed. When the soil washes out to sea like that, it could end up covering coral, and when that happens, the coral suffocates. One of the major selling points for these ATV businesses was night trips within Longpan Park, where visitors could have the opportunity to see wild deer. Their activities have become a major source of disturbance for this and other wildlife. The sound of the engines and the action of chasing the deer causes them serious anxiety. Mammals like these deer are inherently frightened more easily, and when they are put under pressure like that, especially when it comes to the younger deer, it can cause heart problems, which could even lead to death. In 2021, the Kanding National Park Office began collecting evidence that soil damage was being caused by ATVs. 
after evidence against four rental operators was sent to the local prosecutor's office for investigation, the four stopped hosting ATV tours in Long Pan Park. Evidence against other operators is also mounting. Tourists pay 1,200 NT to ride an ATV in the national park for one hour netting roughly 10,000 NT per hour of revenue for the average rental operator. Even if they get stopped occasionally and are forced to pay fines, they can still earn a hefty profit. The highest fine that we can issue in a national park in Taiwan is 3,000 NT. When you look at the profits that these operators make, obviously the fines aren't going to deter them. That's why we're looking into whether we can increase the amounts of these fines. I can understand it. These tourists want excitement, speed, and a sense of danger. What I really want to say to these people is, don't look for your excitement in the mountains and forests, because after you get your excitement, the ecosystem is dead. Profit and personal entertainment should not come at the cost of sacrificing the environment. Activists hope that they can strike the right balance so that the nation's beaches, forests and parks can be enjoyed by everyone for generations to come. The CECC reported 44,565 local COVID cases on Sunday with a death toll of 62. A day earlier, the death toll reached 76, marking the highest figure in 78 days. Experts say, however, that the days of 200-plus deaths are behind us. With daily case numbers still high, many are wondering if having a sore throat means that they have COVID. Doctors explain that a sore throat caused by COVID is a lot more painful than a regular sore throat. The sight of people standing in line is now commonplace in Taiwan's hospitals with the arrival of autumn, which marks the beginning of the high season for infectious diseases. However, does a sore throat mean that you've got COVID or the flu? Not many people know the difference. A doctor says one of his COVID patients has told him his sore throat felt like having a cactus in the throat. In addition to inflammation and redness, the throat typically has ulcers and is extremely painful. Indeed, some COVID patients experience a severe sore throat that is very different from the kind that's caused by the flu or common cold. The flu is actually a systemic infection, and a sore throat may be one of the symptoms. A sore throat caused by COVID is localized in the throat, and the pain can be very severe, with the sensation of stinging and tearing or even cutting. On Saturday, just five days before the nation ends travel quarantines and border restrictions, 76 people died of COVID, the highest death toll in 78 days. Will the number of deaths continue to spike. Deputy Superintendent of Xinguang Hospital, Dr. Hong Zeren, doesn't think so. The chances of seeing a daily death toll of over 200 like it was back in June are very, very low. What about for those who test positive? The current policy is seven days of quarantine. Some are suggesting that the seven days be amended to five days. Dr. Hong doesn't think the time is ripe yet. He says the government should consider two indicators, the number of local cases after October 13th and the nation's medical capacity. 
降为五加零的话 ，If we rashly ease the seven-day requirement down to five days, it will definitely speed up the addition of confirmed cases. Such an increase will have the greatest impact on our medical facilities. As the number of local cases continues to plateau, the vaccination rate among the public is also climbing, meaning it's just a matter of time before the government relaxes its seven-day quarantine requirement to five days. But decision makers are keeping a close eye on that plateau and its impact before they ease more restrictions. Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Chimai used the National Day long weekend to kick off his re-election campaign, inaugurating his first borough-level campaign group on Saturday. What grabbed the public's attention, however, were some of the people who turned up at the event. It included veteran actor Tian Wenzhong, a former supporter of the KMT's former Kaohsiung Mayor Han Guoyu, and Chen Chunxiong, a former Kaohsiung City Councilor who also belonged to the KMT. Observers say this as a sign that some of the KMT's traditional grassroots supporters may be abandoning their own party's candidate, Ke Zhi'en. Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Chi-mai on Saturday set up his first borough-level support group in Jianhua Borough, Xinxing District. The borough chief waved a campaign flag to boost morale. However, some of the people who showed up might raise some eyebrows. <laughs> they included former KMT Kaohsiung City Councillor Chen Chunxiong and veteran actor Tian Wenjung, who four years ago supported the KMT's then mayor, Hang Guoyu. We've worked hard for close to 10 years and it's finally been completed during Mayor Chen's tenure. His about face is understandable. The borough had an empty plot of land belonging to CPC Corporation that laid fallow for years. The borough chief had petitioned the city government to do something about it for more than 10 years. After Chen became mayor, it was turned into a park. Now the borough chief has decided to set up Chen's first borough-level campaign group. Everyone worked hard together. Not only did communications and coordination with CPC go smoothly, but we were also able to allocate a budget of 3.2 million NT for this. We look at the person, not the party. Anyone who helps us get things done, regardless if it's the KMT, DPP or any other party, will come out to support the person. This borough chief stressed he had no party affiliation and he'd support anyone who was able to get things done. City Councillor Chen Ruo Tsui, who had a hand in petitioning the Chen administration, happened to be from the KMT, however. Let's not read into this, everyone. The borough chief himself probably felt he wanted to show support for a certain individual, so he helped the candidate by setting up this campaign group. We hold a direct dialogue with the citizenry. We don't go through these types of campaign groups. So we say it's okay to show support for Chen Chimai, but you should vote for Ke Zhi'en. Faced with signs that the KMT-leaning grassroots in Kaohsiung are drawing closer to Chen, the KMT's Kaohsiung mayoral candidate Ke Zhi'en on Sunday paid another visit to a military dependence village in Zhuoying district to stabilise her political base and shore up support.
Elon Musk, the world's richest man, sparked an uproar in Taiwan after he suggested in a recent interview that Taiwan become a special administrative zone of China. After the news broke, the DPP's Taipei mayoral candidate Chen Shizhong was asked to comment. He dodged the question, raising the ire of his political rivals. On Sunday, Chen came out to explain that he had misunderstood what the Tesla CEO was proposing. I'm very puzzled. Didn't he keep calling himself anti-China and the bellwether of defenders of Taiwan? Chen Shijung's double standards aren't something limited to one or two days. Isn't opposing China and defending Taiwan his key philosophy? When did it become that he reverses this, when big business gets into the picture? At the time, I thought you were asking me about Musk coming to invest in Taiwan and so on. And I never saw his remarks at the first instance. I thought it was hearsay that was being passed around. So I wanted to see his original wording or his original interview before I gave a response. Of course, any remarks that harm our sovereignty should be condemned. The Mainland Affairs Council issued an angrily worded statement Sunday in response to Musk's proposal, saying that the people of Taiwan will not accept it. It goes on to ask why Musk, who has always defended liberal and democratic values, would suddenly support China's one country, two systems proposition. Yaita Akio, the Taipei branch director of Japanese newspaper Sankei Shimbun, thinks that China is behind it. He said that Tesla's factory in Shanghai accounts for 30 to 50 percent of the company's total vehicle production. Under China's coercion, Musk would likely give in. It's all part of cognitive warfare, according to Yaita.